Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, I've done it. Oh no, you've done what? I've done it. After, uh, uh, I've, I've finally found the exact right amount of Downy Fresh Unstoppables to add to my laundry to get the perfect uh, blend of scent longevity versus freshness impact. Now... One quick question. Yes. What what is this? The Downy Downy Fresh un- Unstoppables. Yes, Sydney. What what are, are is that? Are those? I don't even know which. It's a, to use a plural or a singular noun. What what is this product? Uh, for those of us who uh, do laundry, Downy Fresh Unstoppables is a uh, uh, it's sort of like crystals that you uh, 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 have, can can in- include with your laundry during the wash cycle to up the freshness. Just to clarify, this is not an ad. Justin's really just telling you about this. This is how the no. Downy Fresh Unstoppables work. Now, uh, the problem with Downy Fresh Unstoppables is that in the directions they say you can add up to. They're, like, they're just little crystals, like they're little crystals, right? Okay. So, and and you, do you put that in the washer or the dryer? In the washer. So okay. the washer's the wet one. The that, wet with one. the well, okay. I think that you put the clothes in first. I don't think first. you have to do laundry <laughs> to know that washing is wet, but. It, this is an okay bit, I guess. Anyway, the <laughs> I really don't do laundry. Uh, yeah, not a bit ever. Justin uh, does all the laundry. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, yes. So you add a on the directions of the Downy Fresh Unstoppables. It says you can add up to the fill line on the cap. You can add that much, or add as much as you want. <laughs> okay, Downy Fresh Unstoppables. So, how have you been experimenting with this? I everything. I've I, I'm ma- mainly experimenting on myself with my own garments because we, uh, you know, I don't want to put you. At risk of too much freshness and overabundance of freshness, so I uh, uh, with with my shirts, my shorts, and my mentionables, uh, through rigorous tests varying in uh, longevity of wear, uh, uh, amount of crystals, um, and, a, and a few other factors, I have finally calculated by by experimenting on my own clothes exactly the right amount of downy fresh stoppables to include. How, how did you figure out if you were fresh or not? Like, did you ask people like, how fresh do you think I smell? The problem is you because you haven't been asking me. You can't ask them and, in the moment is the thing because everybody in the moment thinks things smell fresh. You gotta have to ask them the next day. Did you do you remember yesterday me? anybody being particularly <laughs> fresh now here's my question though okay. you don't leave the house much not much most no. days you only see me and our cats so who 
Who were you? The answer, the answer to asking. the question you're building towards is the mailman. But yes, through experimentation, I have calculated. We're gonna have to tip him well this Christmas. <laughs> I have calculated the exact amount of Downy Fresh and Stopples to include well, with my laundry. I'm I'm proud of you. Congratulations! Thank you. If Downy wants to offer us any money for that, <laughs> yeah, that, that extended <laughs> we'd, plug, we'd welcome it. Um, did you know that you were following in like a proud scientific tradition with this self experimentation? I been, did not. Well, that, that's the case. Uh, would you like to hear about some other um, actual doctors, not just honorary doctors not la- not like laund- you, honorary doc- laundry, laundry doctors, doctors like myself, who may be engaged in some of uh, a little bit of self-research of their own? I can't imagine how their accomplishments will uh, sort of compare to what I've done here. Um, so I... I I, uh, yeah, I, I guess I would like to hear about sure. it. Sure. Well, we're going to start with Walter Reed. So that may be, I mean. He sounds okay. Yeah, you may have heard of him. And uh, I'd just like to mention that the topic for this episode was actually inspired by one of our listeners. Ken suggested it. He is a doctor he, that does experiments on himself. I don't, I don't think. Cheese it, Ken. I don't think Ken is. He, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe he is. I don't know. But he suggested Walter Reed. And this uh, this gave birth to the rest of this topic. So thank you, Ken. Um, now, a lot of people have heard of Walter Reed. Yeah, he's got that hospital. Exactly, because of the hospital. So uh, Walter Reed was a person before he was a hospital. <laughs> That's good. You don't want to <laughs> reverse that. It could be very underwhelming. No, he was a... He I'm going to name my kid after this hospital. The nation's first transformer. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a hospital. Oh, um, no, he changes everybody inside. Not again. Oh, God, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> Our veterans. That would not make him a very good doctor. Like the worst doctor. So he got his MD from the University of Virginia when he was 18 years old. Wow. Nice job, Walter. Yeah. He is still the youngest person ever to receive an MD from that school. Doogie. It could have been Doogie Hauser Hospital. (laughs) When you look at it that way, though, wasn't Doogie like 15 or 14? Yeah. Doogie's like way better than Walter Reed. Yeah. So still no comparison really there. Yeah. Doogie's legacy is safe. Where is that hospital? Doogie Hauser Hospital. Doogie Hauser Hospital. I'd go. (laughs) I'd drive a distance. Um, So because he was so young when he graduated from medical school, he actually had a lot of trouble kind of getting a, a good job. A lot of people wouldn't take him seriously. So he he knew he was a bright guy. He knew that he was destined for greatness. Uh, but nobody wanted to hire him to do anything great because he was 18. And everybody's like, hey, what does that young kid know about medicine? Get nobody out of here. Wunderkind running Look at around him making his, him feel old. No, with his yo-yo and his bubble gum. <laughs> it's, it's Archie Comics. Forget that guy. So he decided, I, I need some opportunity. I'm young. I need some adventure. He joined the army. And he went went west, young man. And it, this was a good move for him because he traveled out west. He studied a lot of bacteriology and epidemiology as a result of uh, some of the typhoid outbreaks that he worked with. So he became... Real quick, what's epidemiology? Uh, like the study of disease, spread, like epidemics, like the study of disease spread. So okay. kind of... Not related um, to epidermis. No, no. The study of how... Like uh, they always have epidemiologists at health departments or at the CDC to study where an outbreak started and how it spread and how we can stop it, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so he did a lot of research with typhoid and he made kind of a name for himself doing doing this kind of stuff, uh, which is why uh, the thing we know him best for uh, is the Yellow Fever Commission, which he was asked to lead. 
uh, by the uh, U.S. government. Very prestigious. Yes, it was very prestigious because this was a big deal. There were a lot of U.S. soldiers down in Cuba, and they were dying in huge numbers from yellow fever, uh, which is a terrible hemorrhagic uh, virus, hemorrhagic fever that will uh, that kills large numbers of people and makes you bleed and throw up black stuff, and it's really terrible. That sounds terrible. So actually. it was. Yeah, it was pretty vicious. We didn't know how people were getting it. We just knew that all of them were. We didn't know how to cure it or fix it or fight it. Uh, so basically, the government said, hey, Walter Reed, you know about this stuff. Why don't you go down, head up a commission, get some doctor buddies, and try to figure out what the heck's going on with this yellow fever thing. Gross. you got to be really devoted to go down where yellow fever is popping. Well, and he didn't exactly go down right away. <laughs> Kind of he, he kind of put together a team. Oof, uh, Mad Men finale coming up. Can't really get down there right now, but I will definitely, once that mid-season uh, finale pops off, I think i got a few months to get down there just like really get deep. <laughs> but Donnie, Donnie D, uh, Roger, all the gang, got to see how that shakes out for all of them. So I cannot get down there right now. Do you, apologize. You're really jonesing to watch that episode of Mad Men we have on DVR, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Was, it was top of mind. I will admit. Sorry. Um, so he and the reason I mentioned that he wasn't down there initially is not to make him sound like a wimpy guy or, you know, uh, it was purely because the first phase of the research and trials that they did, he really didn't have a big hand in, which I think he would appreciate us mentioning when I tell you what they did. <laughs> uh, so he thought this was his basis. He thought that the yellow fever virus was probably mosquito borne. Is that right? Yes. Meaning that you got it from the bite of a mosquito. This was absolutely right. This was actually postulated by a Dr. Carlos Finley who had written about it and Walter Reed had and gave him credit for, you know, kind of taking this idea and said, I think this guy's got the right idea. He set up a, a group of researchers, um, a couple famous doctors from the time. There was a Dr. Jesse Lazier, James Carroll, Aristides Agramonte, which I only mentioned because that is his name. That is such a good name. Right. Yeah, he doesn't feature largely in the rest of the story, but that's his name. I'm glad he in for that, though. I do. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I added him to the list just for that reason. Um, so they they all took off, and he kind of set him up and said, "Look, I really think that the mosquitoes are spreading it. Why don't you do some research, figure it out, come up with some trials? You guys are smart doctors. You can figure this stuff out. I'll be down there soon." Just get started. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got everything in place. If any and of then, you gets yellow fever, give me just a real quick call. Just I'll see if I can't push that fly back send, a little bit. Send me a telegram. Uh, so they set up the initial phase of experiments. And the thing is that most of them weren't on board with the whole mosquito theory. They really didn't buy it. They thought, you know what, uh, this probably has something to do with water, or maybe it spread through the air. We don't really know, but this mosquito thing seems a little wacky. So let's just get it out of the way. Let's just do that part of the trial really fast, prove it's not mosquitoes, and then we can move on with the real re research. Okay. okay. So the easiest thing to do is try it out on ourselves. Sorry? So they wanted to see if they could infect themselves with yellow fever using mosquitoes. That seems reckless. A little. A tad reckless. Plus, you have to get bitten by a mosquito, which is, like, not fun. I bet, I bet it is annoyingly difficult to get bitten by a mosquito when you want to. 
You know, they're they're there when you don't. But I bet if you're like, come on, I'm delicious. I bet I bet they are really annoying about it. There were there were later studies done on malaria that kind of are like you're describing, where they would just like have guys sit outside and wait to get bitten by just mosquitoes. Just rubbed in butter and paprika. <laughs> just just sit here and let's count how often you get bitten by a mosquito. Don't move. Don't slap them. Just let them drink. The, now that's not that'd happening. be the hard part. <laughs> just, yeah, go on, nope. little buddy, get in there. Just take your fill. <laughs> Ugh. So that's not how they did this. They rigged this. Hey, one. <laughs> Daryl, you gotta get out of here. There's this jerk. He's just in a chair. You can just go drink. He won't do anything. He just sits there. He just sits there. I swear to God. There's another guy with a clipboard who just checks a box every He's time right. you do I, it. I'll never figure these guys out. Oh well, come on, I'm stuffed. So they they wanted to make sure they got that if they were going to be able to get infected by a mosquito, they wanted to make sure that they did it right. So what they did is they would take a mosquito in like a little test tube or glass vial and invert it on the arm of a sick person. So that basically the mosquito is trapped between the the skin of the sick person and the, the glass vial. Okay. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you picture that? Yeah. And then they would let the mosquito, you know, take a blood meal from the from the person. So at that point, if it can be transmitted through mosquito, the mosquito should have yellow fever right we should be carrying it not yeah. have it not like sick from yellow fever the mosquito isn't puking but it <laughs> but it's got yellow fever so then you take that same vial and you invert it on the arm of a healthy person and let it drink their blood okay that makes sense because when a mosquito takes blood it also injects some of its saliva into the person and so you're going to get the yellow fever from the mosquito okay so they just went ahead and and you know got the mosquitoes to bite sick people and then bite them and initially, nobody really got sick. They were excited. They were like, well, finally we can move on yeah, to the water theory. Exactly. At first they were like, hey, this is this this is looking pretty good. You know, like we, we're not getting sick. So we think this is probably, you know, this theory is no good. We're going to try a few more people. They were good scientists. They, they knew what they were doing. We're going to try a few more people before we say no. And then one of them got sick. James Carroll, one of the lead researchers, got really sick. So did one of the young privates that they worked with. Uh, they they had a lot of uh, volunteers from the army, and they both got pretty sick. It seems like it seems like kind of a reckless use of our fighting men. <laughs> hey, come let me infect you with uh, that's yellow like fever. One, one, try to. That's like the duty they give you when you can't even peel potatoes, right? Okay, <laughs> we do have one job. Ugh, fine. Go work with Walter Reed. This again, this I, I bring up malaria again because later we would we and we probably did not necessarily do experiments with our fighting men and women, mainly men during the time period with malaria, but we definitely um, experiment with all kinds of treatments for it on them. Can I ask? Uh, this may be a stupid question, uh, but is yellow fever treatable? Yes, it's treatable. It's not curable, but it's treatable. But it's supportive treatment. Oh, so these guys were just giving themselves an incurable disease? Yes. Nice. Yes. And and that was the thing at the time is that uh, one of the motivations, why would people have done this, is the perception was that if you lived there or you were stationed there, you were going to get yellow fever. So if you were going to get it, at least you're under the care of the United States military when you get it. Mm -hmm. You're not just out in the bush somewhere. You could probably work a medal out of it. So well, and all of these men, I should I should note, are remembered mainly for their bravery 
in doing this experiment. I think they were just being a jerk. <laughs> they just were trying to rub it in Walter Reed's face. Like this is not the these are not the acts of sane men. These are men that are trying to rub it in the face of their nerdy friend Walter. <laughs> yeah, Walter. Get those stuff in a gym locker and then they make him watch as they put mosquitoes <laughs> on their arm. Look at him, he's biting me. Oh Walter, it's terrible. Save me, Walter. <laughs> Look at him. His white coat doesn't fit. The sleeves are too long. And he's wearing those sneakers all the time. Jerk. We tied his shoelaces together. What an idiot. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't feel so good. <laughs> How do you guys feel? No, they didn't feel so good. So once Carol got sick, uh, one of Dr. Lazier was actually one of the lead researchers. And he, who knows what he was thinking at this point. So he sees, he sees his friend James Carroll get sick, almost die, didn't die, but got really sick. And then this young private also got sick. He had already attempted to infect himself once, right? He'd already put himself through this trial. Who knows why? I don't know if he felt guilty because his friend got sick, because he was crazy, stupid. Because Carol was getting all the attention. <laughs> Maybe. That's what it was. Maybe. Everybody's bringing him chicken soup. All, all the ladies were visiting him. And yeah. Were like, oh, Jimmy, I hope you feel yeah, better soon. I could get you up there too. It's no big deal. So he decided to try it again. <laughs> and depending on how you look at it, he succeeded. He got he got yellow fever. Okay. He got super sick and okay. unfortunately he died. Uh, uh so which from what you read is listed as a successful trial. <laughs> uh, I mean that is a I mean that is a Oh man! Now that's, it, it, that's such a bummer. It is a bummer, and it should I was be just noted. Jokes. Why did you let me? You wrote this. How, how, how could you, you not, let me make? He was remember he tied his shoelaces together and all that stuff. I made him sound like a jerk. How, how did, did you do this to me? How did you not see this coming? I, they were I, giving themselves yellow fever. I barely. It's think, a hemorrhagic fever. Somebody was going to die. I barely think like two moves ahead here, Sydney. I can't calculate all the possible endings. So at this point, Walter came back down from the U.S. and was like, what are you people doing? <laughs> I give you one task. Find out you if there's yellow so fever bad. and mosquitoes. You all gave yourself yellow <laughs> fever. And now my buddy Jesse's dead. James is still in bed. This is terrible. God, I do all this myself. So Ugh. he took over at that point um, with the second and third phases of the trials, which mainly involved getting volunteers to do it instead. Um and how could you persuade people to volunteer? Well, you could always, like I mentioned, they were using people in the military. And so you could call on a soldier's sense of duty and courage and honor and responsibility to his country. And again, the fact that you're probably going to get this anyway. Uh, so that was one angle. The other, I think, a little more straightforward and applies to today. You just pay them. Okay. And those were largely not uh, soldiers who were paid. They were just locals. Okay. Members of the community. And so they would offer you a flat rate. Uh, depending on which source you look at, somewhere between 100 and 300 in gold uh, to to submit yourself to the experiment. And then you got extra if you actually got yellow fever. Oh, nice. <laughs> so somewhere between two and 500. That doesn't sound like a lot to infect yourself with a potentially deadly virus, except that's like between 8000 and $20,000 in today's money. And it's in gold. Yes. That's like a lot of money. Which is way cooler. It's like 20000 bucks if you get yellow fever. Plus, again, the the thought at the time was that if you were new to the area, you were going to get yellow fever sooner or later. You didn't have access to a lot of medical care unless you were part of this experiment. And then you had all of the army doctors who were, you know, 
taking care of you, measuring every fluid that went in and out of your body, doing research on you, but also trying to make you better. So how did, how did it all shake out? Uh, all said, there were uh, 29 people who got sick from this experiment, and five of them unfortunately died, including the only woman who volunteered. So w- were, um, I mean, did they, I mean, did they solve it? I mean, did they well, get what they need out of it? Exactly. They proved that it was mosquito-borne. Uh, and, you know, Walter Reed went on to have a hospital named after him. Mm-hmm. So clearly he's remembered well. And I should say, again, do I think that there was courage and bravery in their actions? Sure, I think that's part of it. I think that was very honorable. I think there there was also a little bit of arrogance. And then I think they paid a lot of people, and you can pay you can pay people to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So there's there's the truth behind the Yellow Fever Commission. So who's next? So along this theme, I wanted to share a couple other uh, pioneers in the f- field of self-experimentation. Max Joseph von Pettenkoffer, another great name. I don't know I like if it's that. all the way up there Smell, with Agramonte. That name Agramonte. smells like Lederhosen to me. So <laughs> he was Bavarian born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, right there. He was uh, an MD. Eight, he was born in 1818. He was an MD and a chemist. And his area of interest was hygiene. So he actually taught hygiene, and he uh, studied a great deal uh, what was the effect of the quality of water and food and air and, and how clean people's clothes were and their houses on their health, mm-hmm. which is an important an important area. Especially at that time. Yes, and very relevant to people's health then right. and now. So he lived in Munich, and this was uh, important because there was an, a cholera outbreak there in the 1880s and 1890s. And he was studying that. Now, the commonly held theory, because of Coke, of postulate fame, Robert Coke, Coke's postulate. Coke's postulate, okay. Yeah, okay. We're talking about germ theory of disease kind of stuff. I remember you got very excited about Coke. Yeah. Well, I like to say of postulate fame, which, again, that's one of those things where there are, like, biology majors snickering, and you're just staring uh, at you, nice, you're giving nice me that one. Nice one, so he had recently discovered the bacteria that caused cholera. So they knew it was from bacteria. Mm-hmm. We're not guessing where it came from at this point. I- except for Max. <laughs> he didn't buy it. No? He he thought, okay, that's fine. So you found the bacteria, it spreads cholera. But it's more than that. Because he saw cholera so closely linked with people who kind of just were dirty. That was his perception. Dirty people got cholera. He thought there was more to it. Well, but you, maybe you can get the bacteria, but you can only really get sick and get the disease if you're not clean. If you don't wash, if you live in a dirty house, if you don't take care of yourself, basically. Which is interesting and kind of backwards from the way we understand things today. I mean, that that is, those are contributing factors, but once you found the bacteria, that's usually the that's usually it, right? Exactly. Well, if you weren't, if you didn't have a clean water source, because you did live in a, you know, in a socioeconomically depressed area, and you didn't have access to clean water, you were much more likely than to come in contact with the bacteria and get cholera. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that it wasn't the lack of cleanliness. And certainly, you could be a rich, clean person who got cholera. So how did he how did he test this out? So to test out this theory, he thought. What cleaner person do I know? <laughs> yeah. Than Max Joseph von Pettenkoffer. White gloves all the time, <laughs> brushes his teeth four times a day. I bet he was a real stickler he's, for it. He's a hygienist. That's his yeah, job. He's the cleanest dude ever. 
So he thought, you know what? I'm going to take that bacteria. I'm going to get it somehow. I'm going to get that bacteria in me and I'm going to prove that I'm not going to get cholera because it's not just the bacteria. It's being dirty. So how can you best make sure that you get the cholera bacteria? Uh, I I don't know. We'll find somebody who had cholera. Oh, just like hang out near them and like smooch them maybe or. Well, do you know, this might help. Do you know what cholera causes? No. How the disease manifests? I'm sorry. Massive diarrhea. That's the easiest way to explain it. Massive, massive, watery diarrhea until you dehydrate to death. Except now we can fix it and save your life. But back then we couldn't. It would. That book would not have sounded as good if it was called Love in the Time of Pooping Yourself to Death. <laughs> That would not as be as good of a title. <laughs> cholera is not a romantic disease, even though people like to make it one. No, no you poop yourself to death. Okay, which is very sad. But wait a minute. Yeah. So where does where are you going to get the cholera? Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So he not, he wanted to make sure he did it right. He didn't just find somebody who had cholera. He found somebody who died of cholera. Uh huh. Got a sample of their of their diarrhea. Yeah. Mixed himself up a drink. No, don't wait. <laughs> Joe, dr- Max Joe. And he drank it. No. No. <laughs> if it makes you feel better. Nothing can make me feel better. <laughs> by the end of the disease. I'm in hell. By the end of the disease process, it actually has turned your stool into like what they describe as rice water. Wait, so, has it turned it into a, like a, a mojito? <laughs> no, has it, just it turned it into like, cherry Kool-Aid? It just looks water with flecks of intestine in it you know it's not really it doesn't look like poop anymore bad bad thoughts so how could you (laughs) i can't why max joe max joseph please come back to me please here's what's crazy what's crazy (laughs) i have some theories maybe drinking the poop of a dead man Perhaps, like my man Max Joe did, perhaps, drinking a dead man's poo-poo. That's not great. Go on. What did he do afterwards? Just ate a whole cheesecake. Just get nuts. What could he do that's going to be crazier than drinking a dead man's poo-poo? He didn't really get that sick. Uh, Not as sick as I am right now, in one of the great ironies. He got got sick. He got diarrhea. He did get... He did become ill, but he got... um, what was what that we later figured out was probably just a mild case of cholera. He probably didn't get a very high infectious some light dose. Cholera. He got he got some light cholera. What he interpreted it as was I didn't get sick. See, I got a little sick, but not that sick I because I'm it. clean. Proven right. I nailed it. And he's uh, remembered forever as a pioneer in the field of hygiene. He's on a stamp, <laughs> and he drank cholera poop. Congratulations! And lived Joseph. to tell about it. Why would you tell anybody about it? Though? I'd never tell anybody about it. This was discovered two years ago when his great great grandson broke the family's most dearly held secret. <laughs> so who's next? Okay, so our next. I have to get the taste out of my mouth, if you know what I mean. We're gonna hang out in Germany though for this next one. Oh God, this is the place where he did that. I can't be here anymore. <laughs> we're, we're fast forwarding though. Okay. Poor Max Joe died in 1901. Uh, Werner. Forsman, our next uh, candidate, was born in 1904. So see, we're, we're way into the future, and we're in Berlin now, where he studied and got an MD. He was focused on the idea that you could uh, deliver medications, better image, and measure blood pressure of the heart, from the heart, if you could get a catheter directly there. 
So that was his interest was how can we get a catheter directly into the heart? Because he thought that, like I said, you get a better measurement of pressure that way. And maybe we could take pictures if we inject some dye there. So heart catheterization, that was his kind of area of interest. He thought that there was a way to safely do that by accessing a vein. Mm-hmm. Most people believe that if you tried to stick something in the heart, you'd kill the person. <laughs> yes. Which was a fair belief. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not true. We do heart caths all the time now. But, but I can see how you would think it's sensitive in there. Sure. And he didn't buy it. He said, no, no, there's a way to do this. He tried to work with the chief of his department to get him, you know, hey, I want to try this out on some people. Won't you let me do this procedure? Nobody would let him. So he said, okay, well, can I try it on myself? Well, the ch- again, the chief of, of uh, his medicine department said, no, you can't experiment on yourself. So he went and got the head OR nurse who was in charge of supplies and said, hey, I really want to do this thing. Will you help me out? And she agreed. But strangely, only if, she would, if he would try it out on her. Mm, I think they were in love. Do you think they were in love? That's what I Maybe think. Maybe she was heroic. Maybe she was heroic. Well, oh, you mean like literally heroic? Do you mean like yeah. heroic, like heroic medicine, or heroic like? Just oh no, like, like just her. Maybe she was a hero. Maybe she was like, "Do it, uh, go ahead, cath me, doctor. I Use me you. for your research." Maybe she wasn't in love with him. Maybe he was know. in love with her. Maybe she wanted to make a name for herself. Maybe she wanted to be famous. I don't know why I feel like I have to ship everybody in medical history. <laughs> you really do. Anyways. Maybe she was just really cool, and she was like, "I want my name in the history books." Maybe she was trying to get 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 her her name in light. She saw the great success that <laughs> Mac Joseph had with his thing that he did, <laughs> and this didn't he's seem, on a stamp. This didn't seem nearly as bad. Like better, I would do this first instead. And sorry, go ahead. So he agreed to do it, but once they got to the OR and got set up, he strapped her to the table, he numbed up her wrist, and then he proceeded to go ahead and cath himself as he had planned Why on doing the whole her time. wrist? So that she wouldn't know that he wasn't doing it. Oh. <laughs> he numbed up her arm and said, now you're not going to feel anything because you're all numb. Don't and, look. I mean, the truth was she wasn't going to feel anything because he wasn't actually, you know, cathing her. Oh, nice. <laughs> Instead, he then numbed up his own arm and passed the catheter through what's that called the antecubital vein it's the vein right inside your elbow okay it's where they draw blood Hmm. uh so he cathed himself pushed the catheter in a pretty good distance toward his heart but he wasn't sure if it was really there or not so they had to go check in radiology so at that point he had to you know unstrap the nurse admit to her hey i know your arm's numb but there's no catheter in it but could you help escort me downstairs to radiology so we could see where the heck this thing is that I think I've stuck in my heart. So they went down and they checked it out in radiology and uh, he advanced it a little further and managed to stick the catheter right into his right ventricle. Wow. God, what a hero. No. No? (laughs) Not a hero. I mean, this sounds really cool. He cathed himself. He later went on, you know, that was kind of the pioneer of the procedure. Um, A lot of people were not cool with this. The chief of medicine, the, you know, his eventual mentor Nobody wouldn't work with him. Nobody respects a hero. People are always so jealous. They thought it was stupid. They thought it was reckless. They said, forget this. This is not how medicine is done. So he tried to find a group of people who would kind of um, appreciate somebody with questionable ethics. And he found them. Oh, no. The Nazis. Warner. No. So Warner. Not, not a good guy. He, uh, he joined... 
the Nazi party. He worked as a medical officer with the Nazis. He spent some time in an American POW camp as a result. Yeah, we got him. But then... What are you going to do to a man that jammed a needle in his own arm? And cast his own heart? I don't know. And I think what we what we decided to do with him eventually, strangely, was let him out of the POW camp and then honor him in medical societies across Germany, Sweden, and the U.S. He was actually a member of the American uh, Academy of Chess Physicians. Listen, American we all Society did some physicians. things. We all, yeah. we've all made mistakes. It's a look at Max Joseph von Pettenkoffer. <laughs> it's not. I wouldn't call this a cool guy. A lot of these people I'm talking about are like cool guys who just made up some bad choices. Yeah, this guy made some bad choices followed by some super, super duper bad yeah. choices. So, all right, but so. he is the first first person to be heart cast. That's enough about him. Let's talk. Let's go to London. Stupid Nazis. Let's yeah. go to London. Let's round it out with something that I promise you is not gross at all. Okay. So John Hunter, born in 1728. He was a London doctor. And at this time in London, when he was practicing medicine, it was booming. It was a city on the grow. <laughs> and wherever you have uh, industry and business and population explosions, what do you got to have? Uh, a lot of restaurants, I guess. A lot of infrastructure to keep up with that. Um, banks. Prostitutes, Justin. Prostitutes. 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 Uh, yeah, well, prostitutes. I was going to say prostitutes next. So there were lots and lots of prostitutes there. And as a result, there, were, there was lots and lots of venereal disease. At the time, it was believed that there were pretty much two main classes of venereal disease. Um, syphilis and gonorrhea. The pox or the clap. And most doctors believe that you either had one, the other, or both. And they were two distinct illnesses. Um, one was bad, gonorrhea, because it, it was terrible to have, but wouldn't kill you and was relatively uh, brief. Whereas syphilis was something that could kill you and was really bad. Now, John Hunter, he didn't buy this theory. He thought that the, it was the same disease. There's one venereal disease. Syphilis and gonorrhea are the same thing. There's just two different stages of it. You got gonorrhea first. Uh, from some sort of poison that you probably got from another person. We understood that it was kind of sex. We, we kind of knew it was sexually transmitted. We had that that idea. So you got some sort of poison from another person. It gave you the symptoms of gonorrhea, which was mainly local, mainly, you know, pus coming out of your privates. And then it spread to your whole system and you got syphilis. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's not right. Right? That's right. It's I not right. They're, they are definitely two distinct MBD, diseases. MBD, John Hunter. Even I knew that. Jerk. But he really wanted to prove this theory. But how do you prove it? I don't know. Well, you have to find somebody who you know with, with complete certainty has never had gonorrhea or syphilis and give them gonorrhea. And then you wait and see. If they only get gonorrhea, well, then they're two distinct illnesses. If they get gonorrhea and then later get syphilis, okay. Now that's the same illness. You've proven it. But you've got to find somebody that you are 100% sure does not have either disease. So he picked himself. Of right. course. Yeah, right. And how to give yourself gonorrhea? Uh, I'm not going to. No, I, I can't imagine, Sydney. Well, so you get some, some pus from a guy who's got it. So you get some uh, pus. One of the more awkward conversations you can have with a stranger. Could you give, could, would you go... Take this cup. Do you have <laughs> gonorrhea? I mean, so, I'm just going to get there. I was con 
trying to come up with a cute way to ask it. <laughs> and now he was a doctor, so he had access to people with gonorrhea. No, that's so a good point. Take some of the pus and give it to yourself. Now, how to inoculate yourself most uh, certainly to get the disease? Well, why don't you just make some superficial cuts into your own penis and then put the pus in them? You said. <laughs> I lied. You said it. Would it be gross enough you do this to me? Your husband, the father of your child? So How the- could you make me think about a guy rubbing penis buzz on his own penis with gonorrhea? Gonorrhea and penis buzz. This is how he designed This show supposed to be safe for children. Gonorrhea. This show isn't safe for anybody. <laughs> I'm not using profanity. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're using emotional profanity. <laughs> Visual profanity. That's what you're doing to me. Predictably, he got gonorrhea. Yeah, super gonorrhea. He got amazing super gonorrhea. <laughs> you know what's sad is that yeah, he later, sad, well, I mean, he got gonorrhea. That's sad enough. But he later went on to develop a characteristic syphilis shanker. Oh, no, now you're thrown for a loop. So wait. <laughs> a shanker is the initial, it's the initial sore that you get with syphilis. It's kind of like an ulcer. Uh-huh. That's, so he developed one. Why? They... They even named it, by the way. Really? The Hunterian Shanker for John Hunter. Oh. So he briefly had Brown a venereal moment. disease named after I, himself. I, I, th- oh, that Shanker? That's named after the original one on my wiener. <laughs> That's the Hunterian Shanker. That's the Hunterian Shanker you got right there. So, okay, he's still wrong, though. Why do we know he's wrong? I don't know. Because we figured out that the patient had both. <laughs> <laughs> the patient he got the pus from had already gotten gonorrhea oh. and so Oh, John. he managed to... Uh, he was wrong. He set medicine back like half a century with this result because it took us forever to figure out what the heck happened and was he right or wrong. And he gave himself both gonorrhea and syphilis. What a super great week for John Hunter. So. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if you call these guys brave, stupid. It's a little bit um, of column A, a little bit of column B, I think. But uh, I'm certainly happy to have made their acquaintance, except for half of them, which are uh, the worst people <laughs> in history that have subjected me to these things, and I'll never sleep well again. So I think you. I think Walter Reed is the only one I'd want to sit down to dinner with personally. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to do it for us this week on uh, Sawbones. We hope you've enjoyed yourself uh, and not thrown up in your mouth, basically. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, uh, super, super sorry about all that. Thanks to everybody tweeting about the show, like Nicole, uh, M. Wingett, Steve Spaulding, Mark Hayes, Pollock Patel, Rachel, Taylor Bear, Zena, Jen Barnison, Barnison, yeah, there we go, uh, Bethany Packwood, our, our buddy Carrie Poppy, Blistfer, James Something, Tristan Morris, Josh Butler, uh, Amy Chatwin, so many others. Uh, super duper appreciate that. Um, please tell your followers about our show this week. You can link them to sawbonesshow.com where they can find us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Sawbones. Um, she's at Sydney McElroy, S Y D N E E M C E L R O Y. And he's at Justin McElroy. That's me. Uh, there are a ton of great shows just waiting for you to listen to them on the Max Fun Network. There's uh, Jordan Jesse Go, Judge John Hodgman, Stop Podcasting Yourself. Uh, 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 the Goose Down, Lady to Lady. My Brother, My Brother and Me. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, no, oh, no Ross and Carrie. That's Carrie Poppy there. Uh, and, and there's a, there's a lot of others. So you should totally listen to all of them and you'll, like, 
really enjoy it and you'll love them and you'll have a great time there's forums too so you can go uh chat about it and um our episodes and, and all the other shows i uh, want to remind you go to boatparty.biz uh to register for the uh, atlantic ocean comedy and uh music festival they have uh, it, it, it is a cruise that is headed uh out this july uh and you are going to be able to set sail with a boatload a literal boatload of great comedians this is july 25th through the 28th uh they got w Kamel bell uh guy branham tony Kamen, chris fairbanks Moshe catcher karen kilgariff kyle kinane oh, my mouth is shutting down morgan murphy natasha Ligero, john roderick personal friend that i haven't met but seems like a nice guy uh that's boatparty.biz you can go uh register for that you will have the time of your life i assure you and everyone's name on the boat is impossible to pronounce so you can have fun you with gave that. it your best i you know what i gave it the old college try anyway uh, that's going to do it for us. We will be sure to join you next Tuesday with another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.